Good morning, church. My name is Diane Little. Uh, I'm a member of this wonderful congregation and have been for 10 years. I will be reading from the English Standard Version of Ezekiel 36, 22 through 37. Then I will switch to Ezekiel 37, 1 through 6. Therefore, say to the house of Israel, thus says the Lord God, it is not for your sake, O house of Israel, that I am about to act, but for the sake of my holy name, which you have profaned among the nations to which you came. And I will vindicate the holiness of my great name, which has been profaned among the nations and which you have profaned among them. And the nations will know that I am the Lord, declares the Lord God. When though you, I, when through you, I vindicate the holiness before their eyes, I will take you from the nations and gather you from all the countries and bring you into your own land. I will sprinkle clean water on you and you shall be clean from all your uncleannesses. And from all your idols, I will cleanse you. And I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put spirit, I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. You shall dwell in the land that I gave to your fathers and you shall be my people and I will be your God. And I will deliver you from all your uncleannesses, and I will summon the grain and make it abundant and lay no famine upon you. I will make the fruit of the tree and the increase of the field abundant, that you may never again suffer the disgrace of famine among the nations. Then you will remember your evil ways and your deeds that were not good, and you will loathe yourselves for the inequities and the abominations. It is not for your sake that I will act, declares the Lord God. Let that be known to you. Be ashamed and confounded for your ways, O house of Israel. Thus says the Lord God, on the day that I cleanse you from all your inequities, I will cause the cities to be inhabited and the waste places shall be rebuilt. And the land that was desolate shall be tilled instead of being desolate, instead of the desolation that it was in the sight of all who passed by. And they will say, the land that was desolate has become like the Garden of Eden. And the waste and desolate and ruined cities are now fortified and inhabited. Then the nations that are left all around you shall know that I am the Lord. I have rebuilt the ruined places and replanted that which was desolate. I am the Lord. I have spoken and I will do it. Thus says the Lord God, this also I will let the house of Israel ask me to do for them, to increase their people like a flock. Ezekiel 37, 1 through 6. 
the hand of the Lord was upon me, and he brought me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the middle of the valley. It was full of bones. And he led me around among them. And behold, there were very many on the surface of the valley. And behold, they were very dry. And he said to me, son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O oh Lord God, you know. Then he said to me, prophesy over these bones and say to them, O oh, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, behold, I will cause breath to enter you and you shall live. And I will lay sinews upon you and will cause flesh to come upon you and cover you with skin and put breath in you and you shall live and you shall know that I am the Lord. The living word for God's people. Good morning. Once again, I'm Howard Brown, the pastor here at Christ Central Church. And um, we have really been doing some amazing things here at Christ Central, especially as of late. Um, it has taken us a few years to kind of get acclimated to being here. But we are in the place. We are here in this building, in this community. And it is time that God's people celebrate him by going out into the world, right? Going out in the world and proclaiming to a world that's lost and in darkness that God is good, that he, has, he is the light, that he is the truth to transform and change things. Uh, one of the things we're doing on Wednesday night, which uh, this week was the first week we got together in our little uh, ministry outreach teams, and uh, we have um, little missions to do things in this 28205 community. It is not too late to be in one of those, and I hope that as we enter this new sermon series, you'll be encouraged by God's word um, to join up, to be a part, to connect with your brothers and sisters, not only here in this church, but the ones that are still out there, right, um, that, have, that you don't know yet um, that God would bring in. With that in mind, this summer, I'm going to begin um, today and going through the summers that I'm here, um, a redo of a sermon series I did about eight years ago. I couldn't believe it was that long ago. Entitled a, entitled a New South Revolution. And this is a sermon series um, that calls believers, and in particular the Congregation of Christ Central Church here in Charlotte, to be a part of bringing and fostering a gospel revolution in New South cities like our very own Charlotte. This series is a wake-up call to those of us who have heard it and been here for a while and may be sagging in enthusiasm and activism right now, but it's also a welcome. Welcome to those of you who are fairly new to the vision and mission of Christ Central Church, a welcome to the revolution, right? So we just finished the sermon series in the book of Kings. And today we stay in the Old Testament, but it's about four or 500 years later. And things have fallen apart for the kingdom of Israel, both northern and southern. They have been overrun by Babylon, occupied and now exiled. The best and brightest have been exiled and the weakest left behind to be built on top of and like in Kings, where prophets like Elijah and Elisha 
played a huge role. Ezekiel emerges as a prophet, a voice of God in the wilderness of a war-torn, humiliated, overrun, and exiled people. Ezekiel saw the holy city, Jerusalem, fall into the hands of the Babylons, and now who, through a prophetic vision, he sees God's exiled people eventually returning home. These exiles would be returning to a new south with a new empire in charge, a new south that was desolate and desperate and wasted by injustice and sin, a place that needed lots of help. These Israelites would, re would return to a city in a place of worship that, that would, be a de would be desolate and unoccupied. They left in color and came back in black and white. Rightly, it, it looked like a battle zone. The roofs were probably falling in an old church, the temple, you know, had one or two or three letters up on its marquee. Just some young people hanging out on the corners, dogs running around, lots of cats and plenty of rats probably, right? God was calling these refugees, these resettlers, right? These broken people to restore to be a part of redeeming, to rebuilding their city, to make their metro Jerusalem city, their home a place of God's renewed life, a place of justice and mercy and prosperity. And so in chapter 36, after explaining how God would restore and resettle his people to bring restoration to their motherland, and we'll get back to that, in chapter 37, the Lord leads dreamy Ezekiel out to a valley. But this was not, no ordinary valley. This was a valley of death, a battlefield. And from the vision, the bones are sitting on top of the soil. No one has cared to give them a proper burial. They have been forgotten and so much ignorant time has passed by that the Bible describes these bones as dry. No skin, nothing. And God asked Ezekiel a question. Ezekiel, son of man, can these bones live? The emphasis is on these. Because it made Ezekiel think, these bones? You mean the dry ones? The forgotten ones? The desolated ones? Not just ordinary bones, but these bones that are here because of judgment that should and deserve to be here. You mean these bones, the ones of people who have disobeyed you and turned their backs on you. These bones, Lord, the ones that probably stood in defiance to you and, and failed to bend a bony knee to you. These bones? And Ezekiel's answer to the Lord of life and the Lord, the judge that has allowed this calamity to come upon his people because of their hard-headedness. Therefore, only you know, Lord. In other words, you alone have the power and the right and the justice and the mercy to make these bones live as if any bones can really live. If any can, especially these, only you can. And he asked Ezekiel to speak to the bones, to prophesy to the bones, to speak God's truth to them, to preach to the bones. So he speaks to the bones and the bones start coming together like, 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 like the skit on Sesame Street or I can't remember. Maybe it was an electric company, right? Start dancing around. And the hip bone connect to the thigh bone, and the thigh bone, you know that song. And then these skeletons get skin. And bones get life. Life comes back. 
And just when it looked like it was done, God decides to make it more than a puppet of bones. He gives them new life and a heart and a spirit and will and desire. God has made his point to Ezekiel and to his people and now to us. This is the dry bones. The desolate lands is what their past had brought them. This was the result of a place that became idolatrous and haughty and jealous of what others had. This was a place that collapsed under its arrogant pride against their Savior God. This was the result of life, physical and spiritual, without the Lord, which equals death and destruction. Welcome to the South. Think about our history. Think about the things that happened here. I can't stop listening to Nina Simone's song when she sings Strange Fruit. Born and raised in the South. Lots of dry bones. We've just paved over them. Created interstates and big buildings. And nice paychecks. But the scripture saying God was going to make a new south. And these were new people descendant from this place. It restored people who would now, who would now being made alive and new would be about restoration, not preservation. This is a prophetic message of direction, of vision, of empowerment, of empowerment, of hope for this age. In our age, in our new south, right here in Charlotte. For this church, God is calling for restoration, number one, in a place, through a people, and ultimately by a person, right? In a place, through a people, and by a person. Restoration is to a place. And when I say place, I mean to a city, to its real structures, to its neighborhoods, to its businesses, to its history, its trashiness, its, 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 its desolation and emptiness, to its companies and houses and stuff and things and institutions. Look with me at verse 24, back in chapter 36. It says here, I will take you from the nations and gather you from all the countries and bring you into your own land. And then look at verse 33. Thus says the Lord God, on the day that I cleanse you from all your iniquities, I will cause the cities to be inhabited and the waste places shall be rebuilt. God's people from this scripture are scattered and God is calling them or rather will call and bring them back to a place and all of what comes with it, right? It's sordid history, it's brokenness, it's barrenness, it's ruin, it's isolations, it's sufferings, it's disunity or lack of form. They didn't come back to a city that was already done. They came to a city that was undone. And you and I now have been called to go and be there in this place. And the places in this city. Some have gone to the banks. Others mean others to neighborhoods that are fragile. I remember we went to Noda. I learned from Cindy that Noda somehow in Spanish means not enough, right? To the broke down. 
I remember when our church started, I'm like, wow, look at this broken down, used to be a brothel, triple X theater, neighborhood theater, perfect place for a church. And now to the most diverse international area in Charlotte here in a Central Avenue corridor, right? To the Matthews, right? Nothing but country not so long ago. Some of y'all in here started the church and community that started the church and community that started our church community out of Matthews, right? God is calling us to go to the Midwoods and the Midlands, right? To the Commonwealth and the Clovers, the Eastovers and... West Charlotte Church over on the west, right? The Cotswolds and Concords, the Universities and the Elizabeths, the Valentines and the Huntersville, and all the people, place, and things associated with them. Their industries, their philanthropies, their civic structures, their professions, to be something in the place about the place, to cheer for the local team and associate yourself with NASCAR maybe, you know, and, and when we look at how the landscape will change, we realize that when God calls a people to a place, right, regardless of where, where it is, we go to a place, places that are far gone and places that may be forgotten. Think about it this way. God has called us here in Charlotte as a place. Not because of something you've done. Not because Pastor Brown had put the master plan in place. No, because this is the master God's plan for you. God has called and is being fulfilled prophetically that people of God would be about and in and with and on a place in a city and in its neighborhoods. So what that means is that the job you have, the neighborhood you are in, the church community or civic communities or the commitment to be at home with your kids or that job that makes you put a tie on or a pin with your name on it, regardless whether you're saying, may I take your order or giving the orders, whether you're taking a course at school or college or out on the course trying to make a deal. The place and place you're in is the place that God is calling you to. Because some of you are just existing without knowing and just working nine to five, just trying to make a living and moving and selling and buying without clarity on what that actually means. In our denomination, unlike what you can sometimes get online, you can't be ordained if you don't have a calling. You know what they want to know? If you seek an ordination, where are you going? Where is the place of your ministry? Let me be careful and not so careful here. God has ordained every single one of you. For us, our, you know, us charismatic brothers, God has anointed you, right? You got the anointing, right? To be who you are, where you are. God put you there. He gave you entry there. He, as verse 24 says, took you or brought you there to be who you are and where you are to be in the place that you are. How did R.E.M. put it? To stand in the place where you live, right here in the New South. And God makes that real clear here. That the jobs and homes and communities and positions and time and space you occupy or find yourself in is not or really much at all about you selfishly. Look at verses 32 and 33. It says here, it is not for your sake that I will act, declares the Lord God. Let that be known to you. 
Be ashamed and confounded for your ways, O house of Israel. Thus says the Lord God, on the day that I will cleanse you from all your iniquities, I will cause the cities to be inhabited, and the waste places shall be rebuilt. Verse 36, then the nations that are left around you shall know that I am the Lord. I have rebuilt the ruined places and replanted that which desolate. I am the Lord. I have spoken, and I will do it. The subject of these sentences is the Lord himself and his work, right? But causes and calls his will and work to be done through the hearts and hands and work. The people of God are called to this place for his glory and that, that they do in this place for his good and his glory. Look at what God is going to do in calling people like you and me to participate in. We see here in verse 35. And they will say, this land that was desolate has become like the Garden of Eden. And the waste and desolate and ruined cities are now fortified and inhabited. Regular people like you and me are called to make the place, this community, this city, your neighborhood and world productive again. To, as the Bible says here, like the Garden of Eden, to restore the place with beauty and ingenuity and occupation to bring life where there was none, to go where it is ruined and unfriendly and inhumane and desolate and greedy and laid waste and fortify and rebuild and raise and bring new families and generations to it, to restore it. Man, we live in one of the most church cities in the world. And all along we thought church was about what we did here on Sunday. We don't read these passages. We don't talk about be rebuilding the cities. We think our place is making a bigger sanctuary, getting a bigger church, right? Getting all the t-shirts that match, right? Growing this thing. You're called. You're ordained to do a work beyond these four walls. You get God's grace in here. You get God's spirit working in you here. You grow in your faith. And God is saying, you go out to rebuild and restore the city with a dignity people of God would know about. I've seen it. I've seen the work of restoration from you guys. I've seen experience of some of you going to certain neighborhoods, West Charlotte Church, y'all doing it. Y'all taking serious, y'all 14 neighborhoods, Right? forgotten and desolate places and you fix things up and bring light on the street corner literally and some of you get stop signs and speed bumps put in i've heard how many of you have been retained to keep working in the banking industry and literally you are part of restoring and rebuilding fidelity and strength to the financial industry do you see that as your calling it's not a paycheck to work in a school or school district that's in shambles, need I say more? I've seen how some of you have brought color to a canvas and shape to nothing to make art and music out of what it can't on its own. Some of you, y'all like old stuff. I like old stuff too. Some of you love the forgotten communities. You drive through, man, I want to move there. Man, look at that broke down house with no wall, no, no, no outside wall. Man, that's where I want to live. I can't wait to get in to fix it up. Y'all are HGTV, but not the, 
not the channel. Y'all not HGTV because maybe the Lord's put something in your heart to bring, to manifest, to bring a wall and build a wall for his glory in an old broken down place. We've allowed the world to take it and sell it. Way before HGTV, there was Ezekiel. He was the original home repair star or prophet. Some of y'all love overlooked people and abuse things and abuse industry. You, you don't let the mean green go, go against the mean treatment of the brown and the black and the yellow and the red and the white. You see stuff and you just want to get in the mix. Some of you in the background on TV shows during the protest, there you are in the back, standing up for somebody, all up trying to restore something, looking like a crazy one, right? That's you. You're trying to make sure somebody's life matters. There you are. Some of you have been caught. I've seen it happen where you're caught in a picture, in a background, in a spot, and then someone says, they're not a Christian. They're liberal because they showed up at that event, Right? Or they're, they're just so whatever. They're not because they showed up at that event or this event. Or they care about the unborn children. Or they care about the people that are born. Or they care about the refugees. Or they care about this. And you're criticized for being there when God is calling you to rebuild and bring dignity back to a place. And in those ways, you are exercising your faith in, in Christ. You're, 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 you're exercising the ministry God has called you to in this place. And that's what this church is about. By command and observation, let me say, where there's no arch, you bring it. Where there's no dignity, you bring it. Where there isn't diversity, make some. Where there is pain, provide anesthesia. Where it is suburban and cut off, you bring connection and community and realness and relationships. Where it is rich and tight and high, bring freedom and peace and love. And it is connected to the vision and mission of this church. You are called to this place, the church, like a branch, right? We talked about Wednesday. Like a branch connected to the vine of Jesus. Like a long branch, you are called to bear and bring low, long and low-hanging fruit and fruitfulness to the place you go and live and work. It is your calling as individuals and community groups and parishes and friends and families of this body, of this church community and fellowship, called to bring restoration and redemption to the place and places God has put us. The Lord is calling and has called you and me to be nothing short of restorers of the new south. You know what that means? The scripture even says it here. To dig and plant to till and paint and construct and even knock some stuff down. To make it safe and clear and efficient and beautiful. To how can I put it? Reverse the effects of the fall. To counter the effect that sin and desolation of ignorance and greed and fear has had on the place and in people. And as we do it, uncover the roots and expose the city to what is truly going on under and over the surface of things. Don't wait for an event like what happened last year to make the city explode. These, this uncovering and an unrooting of what isn't right happens truly when the gospel and God's people go to work on it. This can be difficult. 
How about bringing restoration as opposed to preservation? Man, the South, I, I grew up in Charleston. We have, we preserve everything. Don't knock down that tree. Yes, it's rotten. It could fall on a kid and kill him. But it's worth the kid dying because George Washington, he leaned on this tree, y'all. You can't tear this down. Now, a city like Charlotte, you know, for something new and shiny, it's for sale. Put it in a museum, right? We like preservation. We want stuff paved over with good intentions and prosperity, and everything is okay now, y'all. But God uses terms in this passage like till and dig. Go into the valley of dry bones and look what that will bring along with the prosperity of the city. Look with me at verse 28. Look what happens now. You shall dwell in the land that I gave, that's the, in the place, to your fathers, and you shall be my people, and I will be your God, and I will deliver you from all your uncleanliness, and I will summon the grain and make it abundant and lay no famine upon you. Yay, we like the prosperity part, right? Pretty prosperous city we live in. I will make the fruit of the tree an increase of the field abundant, that you may never again suffer the disgrace of famine among the nations. Yes, we need, you know, more stores and food, deserts and all that. I mean, we need prosperity. Good, good. Oh, no. Look at verse 31, y'all. Then you will remember your evil ways and your deeds that were not good. And you will loathe yourselves for your iniquities and your abomination. It is not for your sake that I will act, declares the Lord God. Let that be known to you. Be ashamed and confounded for your ways, O Israel. Confounded for your ways, O house of Israel. <laughs> Great. Right? The work and calling to restoration and redemption will reveal just how lost and how overwhelming the work God is calling people like you and me to. Right? Because it is one thing for the city to be broken. But look carefully. The broken city and the hard work and advocacy, it needs to be what God wants, will show and is a clear pointer to just how messed up people are in the city. You and me included. You and I have and will find out if the Lord is truly with us that this place is broken beyond our human ability to repair it. And heck, so are we as people and so am I as a person called by God to fix it. Man, one thing I've learned, like, you know, you get into the little bit of the, the, new, the new role, you know, of the social gospel, this new wave of it. People want to do, want to revitalize the city, go in, move in, do all kind of things. I've, been, I've lived long enough to see it kind of happen. I've been a part of it, right? And you get there, and stuff's like really tangled up, man. Like, there's some really messed up stuff that's decades old, centuries old. People are just trapped here and trapped financially. There's just too much going on. And, and, and guess what? As you try to do the right thing, guess what you realize? You ain't right either. In restoration, you will see and feel the racism and injustice and fear 
and classism and destructive forces and how deeply it's planted in the history and hearts of people and how deeply broken and sometimes evil and alienated people are from humanity. God is going to let you and me see and feel and know that if you're involved in restoration as Ezekiel is calling us to, as Scripture is calling us to as believers. Let me tell you, it is easier. Let's just have a fun church, y'all. We got a great band. Let's just have a good time in here. Right? It's good to worship God. I'm not taking that away. We need to do that. He says we need to do it. But I would rather not get all out there and tangled up and worrying about, oh, man, it's a pain out in this world. Let's just buy a lot of land and move in together, right? Well, we saw how that happened down in, okay, it always ends bad. God is going to let you and me see and feel and know that, that we will be required and driven and see and know, he says it, that this is not about any restoration effort the city has ever seen. That this is more than a city project, y'all, or social governmental program. This is that we might see and know that the Lord himself is the restorer and redeemer. And this is how we're going to know it. God in this passage is making sure we understand that the story of a city or a place being restored is congruent, right? It mimics, it reflects, it shadows. Just a preview of the story of redemption and restoration of people in the place and for the place. I mean, look at the context of all of this good stuff God will do through the people. Look at verse 24. It says here, I will take you from the nations and gather you from all the countries and bring you into your land. But look what happens here. It's not just about the restoration of the buildings. I will sprinkle clean water on you. You shall be clean from all your uncleanliness and from all your idols. I will cleanse you and I will give you a new heart and a new spirit and I will put in a new spirit I will put within you and I will remove the heart of, a heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. You shall dwell in a land that I gave to your fathers and you shall be my people and I will be your God. And then look at verse 33 real quick. Thus says the Lord God, on the day that I cleanse you from all your iniquities, I will cause the cities to be inhabited and the waste places shall be rebuilt. And then, of course, the dry bones in the valley, those bones are the bones of God's people who were once at war with him or in the world alone without him and lost and suffered death and irrelevance and impotence and destruction who are dirty and need to be cleansed and who need a new heart. And what you see that so God is calling people whose lives were preserved. But preserved as dry bones, though, that were locked historically and frozen in disgrace and fear, you know, damaged victims, those called to the place, people like you and me right here at Christ Central Church, were the oppressors. Do you understand that? Or we're at least the descendants of the oppressors. We were the enslaved and the oppressed. We, we were the overlooked and marginalized in that place. We were the ignorant and arrogant and hateful of that place. Those dry bones are in a battlefield of God's judgment and mankind's sin that said they played a part and suffered in the desolation of sin and brokenness in the place and now for God's glory. His grace and redemption to these people have called them out of darkness, called them out of death, and brought them into his life. How can I say it? God has 
not only has restored us, by restoring us. He set us on a new historical trajectory, y'all. He has put and will put a heart of flesh and put the Holy Spirit to work in us. These bones that Ezekiel sees brought life. These people returning home who were sprinkled with water and giving a new heart are you and me. People redeemed through the restoring, saving work of Jesus Christ and those who will be reached by the restoring, redeeming work of Jesus. The, the, the people God has called to be his and used by him to bring his restoration in this place are those who are filled with the power and presence of God's Holy Spirit. With that in mind, that means... Unlike what the world does in broken places, we are not gentrifiers. But something is about something more powerful. And I understand when I use that word gentrifier, it's all slippery and we get all get scared. But I don't mean it in the strictest sense. Because some of us, we don't have name or pedigree. We don't have no money. No power or high-leveled relationships like God's people returning from exile. We are barely holding it together. We are trusting in a dream, a vision, and a hope. We have no worldly power history to fall upon. As a matter of fact, most of you are recoverers and survivors, barely existing, most of us, of people who didn't matter. And on the other side, some have even, are, are, are even captives or citizens of a lifestyle of the rich and famous, of the ethics of the gentry. So we are not gentrifiers because we don't move or act based on our power or our history. No, on the contrary. We are and are called to be redeemers and restorers because we move and live and survive and are only who we are because of the power and name and grace and work of the Lord Jesus Christ. Stop thinking of yourselves as gentrifiers, even if you are gentry. Stop thinking of yourself as urban cool, we just take advantage of the low prices city person. Time to re-engage and refocus your efforts and your work and your sense of being and strength, whether you're uptown or around the town or outside of town. You are redemptors and reformers of the new south here in Charlotte and the surrounding communities only, only because your redeemer God lives and makes and made you you restore and revitalize because your God has restored and revitalized you. My dad never left Charleston. He grew up there. He said he ain't going nowhere either. He grew up there. He can show you the plantation our ancestors lived on. Howard, this is the tea plantation we came from, right? It's neat going over there and touching the ground, right? It's just kind of interesting. Next step, Africa, right? Something like that. This stuff matters. It makes you feel like you're somebody, like you, you got a connection. You just didn't show up in Charlotte, right? You just got something. And much of his story, he tells sordid stories of the South. Slavery and racism but also about the beauty of what was rebuilt. I told y'all this a million times. I'm going to tell y'all again. On one part of the tour, he will show you a parking lot that used to be the parking lot of Bishop England Catholic High School. And how under the beautiful black asphalt laid and still lay the bodies of black people who weren't worth being exhumed and reburied. 
whose headstones were arbitrarily thrown into a poor graveyard somewhere. And for the tombstones that didn't make the careless trip, many returned into nice marble walkways leading out, to the big, out of the big homes to the garages or garden houses of the rich. And voila, headstones becoming garden walkways and crushed and mashed into concrete mixtures. I think when I wrote this eight years ago, I'm not sure, I said, and to this day, not much repentance, recognition, but this is the new South, right? My dad, God has called my dad to a place, a desolate place to call out injustice and evil, but through his calling as a tour guide to restory the story, y'all. To be used by God to be a prophetic voice, to speak truth and with it bring dignity to all that wants to be preserved and covered up. To call those dry forgotten bones to new life as a descendant of the mistreated, as a descendant of the abused, to retell with sorrow and pride, to bring life and new vision to what was desolate and forgotten as a restored son of the broken South. Our Lord Jesus came as the Son of Man. As Ezekiel was called in the Valley of Dry Bones, our Lord Jesus came to our place, south of his dwelling, to our desolation and convicted and called out our sin and our diseased sense of community and then called with the powerful, life-giving, spirit-filling message of the gospel, called us out of the valley of death into the new life of his restoration. God is calling people, you, some from the south and some not, but you who are all in some way descendants of oppression, who are familiar and tied to heritages and personal histories of hate and sorrow, all kinds of abuse and sin and pain and rejection and being driven to success, to dying, to be accepted. You who are descendants of slaves of sin and the spiritually impoverished and the descendants of the powerful and oppressive. You who are a descendant of a race of shame and a race of pride who were dry bones and desolate in their sin. God has called you by the revolutionary power of his gospel, like he did those bones sprinkled by the blood of Jesus and giving a new heart to be the revolutionary people of the restoration of this city through the power and grace of Jesus Christ. This prophecy of the New South Revolution, this restory of God's love for sinners, and a sinful place lives true and rings true today, right here in your life, believers. Right here at Christ Central Church. The revolution of a new south has begun. The restoration and salvation of all that is broken begins now. Now. Because God is alive. And so are you, right? A new South Revelation, revolution. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. Sometimes we look at our lives and we underestimate what's going on. Help us to be recommitted to this place and the people of this place. This people who've been redeemed by the Son of Man. Christ came to be the native son of a place. 
to redeem it. I pray for those who are dry bones right now. Who have no idea what this work of restoration and revolution is because they don't know your redemption. Lord, I pray that you would speak to their heart. Son of man, that you would speak to their hearts. And as you speak to their hearts, that they would be revived, redeemed, restored. Lord, help us not to run out and try to start a revolution without your redemption. Help us, Lord. We like to do things, but help us recognize what you've done first. Work in the life of this congregation, I pray. Work in the life of West Charlotte Church. As you've called them and us to a New South Revolution. Regardless of whether we're in the inner city, the outer city, the suburbs, or the super suburbs. Thank you where you have us. Use us there as you work in us there. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.